Hey, I'm Jesse. We're going back and recapping some of these mountaintop moments throughout 1 Corinthians because the book is so motley in the topics that it addresses that it's worth recapping even now as we've completed the book and we're getting ready for a new study in Nehemiah coming back to the Corinthian letters. After five weeks in Nehemiah, we'll come back to uh, 2 Corinthians following our Easter message. So in chapters one and two, we see this introduction of the, uh, I'm gonna use a seminary term, it's kind of cool if you dig this stuff, but this, this uh, Christocentric hermeneutic and that it all comes back to Christ and him crucified. That's the lens through which you just read the Bible and understand everything. Paul was true to that standard throughout the book of, of 1 Corinthians. And now in uh, chapter three, he introduces, <clears throat> he introduces this theme that's gonna come up for the next five or six chapters about this dispute among them as they all were kind of ranting and raving over who their favorite apostle was. Here's chapter three, verse one. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? Whenever someone says, I belong to Paul and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? This introduction to the idea of spiritual milk and spiritual meat is significant to me because Paul does give some pretty meaty teachings, especially in chapter 15, but he's rebuking them for their spiritual immaturity. He's calling them out because they, they ought to be moving on to, to greater things. We now understand, having completed the book, that some of these some of uh, some of this immaturity went beyond the bickering as to who had the best trading card collection of the apostles into people suing each other chapter 6 into an utter abdication of spirit of church discipline in chapter 5 into showing up commute showing up to communion and getting drunk in church chapter 11 and into uh, an utter abdication of any sense of order in church worship chapter 14 so that introduction of, of milk to meat started all the way in chapter three. And, and we can now bear witness having completed the book to Paul's faithfulness to that end. He was faithful to call them out, you know, that you, uh, you, ought, to, you ought to be on spiritual meat by now, but you're, you're just using spiritual milk. Uh, what's striking to me though, is that evidently Paul's standard for the church at Corinth may be higher than the standards we have for ourselves. Because he doesn't list exactly what teachings constitute spiritual milk and spiritual meat. But if I list out some of the things that I think constitute spiritual meat, eschatology is definitely one of those. Meaning the second coming of Christ and the events of the book of Revelation and 1 Thessalonians and Daniel and Ezekiel. Like that stuff's hard to interpret, man. And that's some of the hardest stuff there is. But this book that was supposed to be about spiritual milk contains one of the definitive teachings from which we get our idea of the uh, the second coming of Christ. It's in chapter 15. So if these guys were taking spiritual milk and that included some eschatological teachings, could it be that we as Christians need to raise our standards? You're capable of a great deal. You're capable of understanding a, a tremendous amount. You're capable of taking in a great deal of scripture. Would you consider for a moment that Paul's rebuke of the church at Corinth for their spiritual immaturity, they're bickering with each other. Rather than going for, rather than ingesting spiritual meat, they're going back to spiritual milk and reviewing the basics. Would you consider that, uh, that Paul was raising the bar for the church at Corinth and that God may be raising the bar for you? 
Is it possible that even these devotions that I give you day after day, they're not enough for you, that you need to also couple those with a plan to go through the Bible, that you need to have not only your scuba diving gear, but also your jet ski. Your scuba diver is where you do kind of what we do. We take a few verses at a time and dive deep into them, but you also need to be able to go scripture-wide, Bible-wide, Genesis to Revelation or chronologically, whatever you will, year after year. Is it possible that it's time for you to graduate from VeggieTales to A.W. Tozer? To, to go from some, you know, some pop culture Christianity, maybe, maybe from Christianity today to C.S. Lewis, to, to go to some, to delve into some Oswald Chambers, to read some writings of the Puritans, some Valley of Vision, perhaps, right? Some, uh, some Baxter, some Calvin, some Thomas Aquinas, right? Whatever the case may be, whatever God may be calling you into some of the deeper stuff, is it possible that God may be calling you deeper from milk to meat? because God, he laid on some pretty, some pretty heavy eschatological teachings to this church in chapter 15 after having called them out for their immaturity in chapter three. Would you talk to God about this? If you're able to understand some advanced calculus, but you haven't really read the whole Bible through just yet, you may fall into the same accusation that Paul gave the church at Corinth. Listen to the Lord and consider if he's calling you to raise the bar. If you're still on what you thought was meat, but it's actually milk, and it's time to actually have your first T-bone steak.